for me, man. Welcome to the Black Bar on Blog Talk Radio. Sit back and engage as we tackle the issues important to you and your family. It is our desire to equip you with up-to-date information, commentary, and solutions to life's biggest challenges facing our communities. Thank you for joining us as we embark on this journey to raise awareness about the importance of faith, family, and fatherhood in the African-American community and beyond. Now, here's your host, Executive Director of Fathers Incorporated, Kenneth Braswell. Welcome to the Black Bar. I'm your host, Kenny Braswell, and you are in the midst of our dialogue about daughters. It is part of our National Save Our Daughters Night campaign that takes place on May 8th. Um, if you want more information on the campaign or to be a partner, you can sign up at www.saveourdaughtersnight.com. You can also get to us through our main website at fathersincorporated.com. This campaign is a extension of the previous National Save Our Sons Night campaign where we were able to uh, elicit 111 organizations in over 60 cities across the nation to plan events and activities to encourage the relationships between fathers and their sons. Um, and this one is in the same light, except for we are encouraging the same organizations and more to create events and activities to stimulate and encourage a positive, loving, and nurturing relationship between fathers and their daughters. And so our conversation over the last couple of weeks have touched on several subject matters with relationships to girls, um, and I've spoken to some great minds, and today is no different. On the line, I have my good friend and sister, Cassandra Mack. She is the CEO of Strategies for Empowered Living. How you doing? I'm doing Thank you so much. You know, it's we've had conversations we've had conversations about just about everything. And so um but I know that this particular lane, particularly as it relates to women and girls is the lane that you often find yourself in and I would have not even considered doing this series without calling you and having your voice a part of this conversation. So thank you um, for having the time and the ability to be able to lend your voice to this conversation with people and particularly girls and women to be blessed by what you share with us on this particular show. And so um, our title of our show is Girl Power. What makes black girls and so about your work and what you do these days. Sure. So my work at Strategies for Empowered Living dot com is really about helping women, young women, teenage girls,
Also, the latest book, which is Say It, See It, Believe It, the Affirmation Activity Journal for Girls and Their Mothers. So that's pretty much what I've been up to these days. It's really about the work, the business of empowering girls and women. When you look at what's taking place around the country currently, particularly with the uptick in conversation around black boys and particularly black men as it relates to the interactions and unfortunate interactions that they've had with men. Um, Do you think that the voice and the issues and at least the concern for our girls have been minimized? I think that the concerns of girls is growing in terms of that discussion. I think people like you, Kenny, with the work that you're doing, because you can't talk about responsible fatherhood without talking about the daughters that they're raising. I think the work that you're doing with your new initiative, so I do think that this conversation is growing. I think the conversation is evolving. And when you look at, and I hate to use reality TV as a backdrop, but you really can't look at where the conversation is heading and and the images that girls buy into without looking at reality TV. So when you look at some of these reality shows and girls get the message that you have to backbite, that you have to claw one another in order to succeed and get ahead, I think that they need a balance in terms of the programs that you're doing so that they begin to see that you don't have to backbite to get ahead, that you don't have to fight each other to get ahead, and it really is about women supporting each other. Hmm. You know, what do you believe is impacting the self-esteem of our girls the most today? That's a really good question, and I think it is a number of things. Mm -hmm. I think the media is a big thing because every time you look around, you see silicone this and silicone that, girls (laughs) with butt injections, uh, weaves that are so long that they're unbelievable, Mm -hmm. and there's nothing wrong with wanting to enhance the way you look. But I think when that's the predominant message that girls are getting, they start to believe that who they are is not enough. I think the media plays a big part. I think the absence of dads plays a big part. You know, Chris Rock said it best, that your job as a dad, your number one job is to keep your daughter off the pole. And I use that as an analogy that when girls have that hole in their soul, when girls don't have that connection you start to see an impact on their self-esteem because they look for daddy in their relationships, and oftentimes those are negative relationships. So I think it's a number of things, from messages that they receive in the media, from the messages that they get at home, from not having their families intact. I would say those are the three biggest things. Um, you know, you there have been some um, conversations about Bill Duke's new movie, um, Dark Girls, I think that's what it's called, Um, and this whole notion of beauty with respect to our girls and the hue of their skin, whether they be light skin or dark skin. And I said to uh, someone a couple of weeks ago, it seems to me um, that neither of them are ones that give them any leg up because dark-skinned girls are talked about just as much as light-skinned girls are talked about when you start thinking about this notion of beauty and the pitting against um, light-skinned black girls and dark-skinned black girls, what does that bring up for you? Well, I can tell you, you know, growing up, you've, you've always had an element of that. And I think you have an element of that in all communities. 
whether it's the black community or the white community. In the white community, it's the blonde hair, blue eyed versus the dark hair and, and, and more of an olive complexion. And in the black community, you have the dark skin and the light skin. But I think that we have to begin to balance those messages and counteract those messages. And one of the things that I do to, to counteract those messages is I talk to girls a lot about there's no such thing as good hair because we're really big on the hair thing. Mm -hmm. That if it is on your head, it's good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Whether it's locks, whether it's, it's you know, short hair, long hair, straight hair, or, or curly hair. If it's on your hair, it's good. And that beauty comes in every imaginable skin tone and every facial feature. And I think that we as adults have to change that conversation. And, you know, oftentimes you'll, you'll see something as simple as two little girls walking hand in hand, one light skin, one dark skin. And people will gravitate towards the lighter skin child and say, oh, she's so pretty. And what does that say about the darker skin, beautiful girl as well? So I think that we as adults have to be cognizant of the things that we say. So for me, it brings up a lot of that stuff, a lot of that stuff in terms of what I've witnessed growing up, what I have went through go, uh, growing up. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's incumbent upon us as adults to change that conversation. Yeah, when I went to, I've had the pleasure now of going to Africa for the last two years, and we're going back again. We adopted a village in Ghana. And the first year that I went, um, you know, I was asked to be the photographer and just, you know, take as many pictures as I possibly could. And Africa is just a beautiful landscape to take pictures, not only the backdrop, which is the scenery and the landscape, but the people, just taking pictures of the people. And I remember going into my hotel room on each night, downloading those pictures onto my computer and just actually going through them. And the one thing that struck me um, about uh, particularly African girls, most of them wear their hair extremely short, I mean, at the same length that boys wear their hair. But the thing that struck me was how beautiful they were, um, how dark and how smooth and beautiful their skin was, um, and just this internal beauty that resonated from their body. And it changed my whole notion of what I've been traditionalized to think beauty really is. Um, here in America, and I think now that you're beginning to see the African actors and actresses begin to emerge on the social landscape, as I see these girls come out with this kind of natural beauty, um, you know, and you hear somewhat some of the backlash, you know, from people who just don't have any common sense to know what's good in front of them, make comments you know, about them, I often just think we really don't know what true beauty is. That's right. It's ignorance. It's ignorance. Because the reality is that, as you know, beauty comes in, in all skin tones. And when I see rich, chocolate, beautiful skin, it, it, it just reminds me of, of the richness of the earth and how beautiful we are as a people. But I think, once again, it's about us. It starts with us in-house. We have to start changing those messages. Something as simple, as I said, as, as seeing two babies, you know, one light, one dark, making sure that you're complementing both and you're not automatically gravitating towards the light child. And that's something that people do without even thinking and realizing that that's what they're doing. But it's, they even did a study. They did a study with these children 
and there were these white dolls and these black dolls, little girls, African-American girls, and the dolls were presented. And the majority of the girls, I believe they all, chose the white dolls over the black dolls, and the girls themselves were African-American. And it's because we're so ingrained to think that everything lighter is more attractive that we don't realize the rich beauty that we naturally possess. Mm. What do you believe is the biggest challenge our girls are facing today? Wow. The biggest challenge that our girls are facing today. I think the biggest challenge, or one of, I don't know if it's the biggest challenge, but one of the biggest challenges is staying true to themselves and finding their own voice. And you're going to keep hearing me say this because never have we lived in a time where the media, meaning the social social media, uh, the Internet, Facebook, Instagram, TV, has had such an influence on our children. You know, when you look back 10, 15, 20 years ago, you know, kids went outside to play. Kids rode their bikes. Kids roller skated. But when you have kids who are sitting in front of a computer all day, it really begins to change the landscape of their conversation, and it changes their ability to develop social skills. So I think one of the biggest challenges for our girls today is combating those messages that they get through the media, those messages about success, those messages about popularity, and those messages about fitting in, mm. particularly here in America. Wow. And when you um, talk about those, so there's one of the other huge issues um, that I'm sure I've heard you talk about and it's become, again, an emerging issue for our girls is this whole issue of bullying. You know, and the way that our girls are socialized to bully, um, given what you just talked about, the influence of social media and the ability for one to be able to be an armchair bully or an anonymous bully. And so uh, we know that girls are much more emotionally um, active than they are physically active as boys are. We, you know, if we want to bully someone or bullying takes place, it's usually physical. But for girls, it's mental. For girls, it's emotional. Uh, when you see that taking place, um, how does that make you feel? And did you ever experience bullying when you were growing up? Let me start by saying that I do a whole workshop around around this issue, and it's called "When Girls Bully: The Secret Ways That Girls Bully." And the reason I call it the three secret ways that girls bully is because it's done in such an underhanded tone that it's difficult for teachers and parents to pick up on bullying. So you can have a classroom of girls where one particular girl is being bullied right in front of the teacher, and the teacher has no idea she's being bullied. The term is called relational aggression, mm. and this is where girls use social status, the status of their relationships, who's popular, who's the queen bee, in order to isolate and make another girl feel like she's an outcast, like she's invalidated, unwanted, and unlovable. And the danger of this is, at least when boys bully, they fight. I mean, it's, all bullying is horrible. But when boys bully, they fight, they get it over with, and that's the end of it. Mm -hmm. But with girls, they can bully throughout the whole entire lifespan of high school or the whole entire lifespan of middle school. And it pains me when you ask me how does it make me feel to watch that because it is so difficult for parents and teachers to address because it happens underneath the radar. Girls will use coded language. Girls will isolate girls. Girls will 
start a rumor and let the rumor rip and ruin another girl's reputation, all for the sake of making another girl feel isolated and feel like an outcast. And it really hurts the, the core of that girl, the victim's self-esteem. So it pains me to see that. Yeah, one of the um, nasty outgrowths of bullying has become suicide. <clears throat> and so the implosion of the inability to express the way that you feel about how others are treating you and self-inflicting that pain upon yourself by attempting to kill yourself or take yourself out. Um, how do we begin to start addressing um, these girls, and how do you begin to recognize when someone is going through an issue of bullying that can't be seen? I think you have to pay attention to parents. I think for parents, you know your child. If your child is, is, is unusually withdrawn, you want to have a conversation and find out why. If your child used to love school and all of a sudden doesn't want to go to school, it may not be that they're not motivated. It may be that they're being bullied. If your child normally was hanging out with a group of friends and now none of those friends are around and, and they don't have any real social network, a physical social network, not on media, you want to kind of pay attention. Those are some clues that will tell you. For the teachers, you want to watch the dynamics in the room. So, for example, if one girl walks in the room and all the other girls start laughing, watch the girl's face. And if her facial expression is that she doesn't like the joke, it probably means that she's the victim, the butt of the joke, and start paying attention. And you really have to look at the dynamics. It's not the words that they use. It's the interactions and the dynamics of the relationship. And that will begin to tell you. And then what you want to do is you want to talk to girls about how to treat each other. Because you can't address bullying by just talking to the bully and just talking to the victim. You really have to get everybody on board, almost like a campaign. Mm -hmm. And a campaign around treating each other with dignity and with respect. It starts with dignity, respect, and how would you feel if you were on the receiving end of being isolated? So, so I think it's threefold. It's the parents paying attention to patterns that just don't fit well with them and, and, and that, you know, say, you know, what, what's going on with my child? This is something different that normally doesn't happen to my daughter. I just kind of need to pay attention to this. It's teachers paying attention to interactions. You know, if one student is constantly eating alone, if one student is constantly in the lunchroom by themselves, something should key off that there's something going on. And then it's really taking a school-wide approach or a neighborhood approach to send the message Wow. You're listening to The Black Bar. I'm your host, Kenny Braswell. You're in the midst of our dialogue about daughters. It's part of our National Save Our Daughters campaign that takes place on May 8th. For more information on the campaign, you can visit us at www.saveourdaughtersnight.com. My guest today is Cassandra Mack. She is the CEO of Strategies for Empowered Living, and we're talking about girl power today. Uh, what makes a black girl rock? And so there's so many things that um, causes her not to rock. Um, I want to kind of shift our focus a little bit into the things that um, do allow her and make girls feel good um, about rocking. And so um, one of my questions to you is, is expectations. And I think that oftentimes we don't talk enough about expectations. It's interesting because when the two years that I've been in Africa, 
one of the things that has struck me in Africa is that their only expectations and comparison is to themselves. So they don't compare themselves to white people. They don't compare themselves to Asians. They don't compare themselves to um, Latinos or Hispanics. They only compare themselves to themselves and to their own expectations. Here in America, particularly for black children and black parents in the black community, we are always comparing ourselves and gauging our expectations up against what white folks are doing, what Latino folks are doing, and what Asian folks are doing. And I think that at some point we need to start comparing ourselves to our own expectations. Do you believe that we have lowered our expectations for girls? In many ways we have, and I'm going to hurt some feelings right now, but um, in many ways we have. You know, when I was growing up, if you were pregnant at the age of 15, you went down south, you had mm-hmm. your child, you came back, and it was hush-hush. You weren't getting a baby shower. Nobody was coming and bringing you gifts. And, I, and, 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 and it's not an attack on, on young mothers because there were plenty of young mothers who were successful and who were doing the best they can and who raised wonderful, contributing members of society. But what I am saying is we are seeing a paradigm shift. Things that would not have been tolerated years ago are now celebrated. So I do think there is a lowering of expectations. There was a time when it was expected that you were going to go to college. There was a time where the thought was when the adults get up in the house. I know for my uh, grandfather, he used to say when he went to work, I don't know where y'all are going, but you're going to get the (laughs) heck up out of here. And when he went to work, everybody had to get up and go somewhere. You couldn't stay in the house and just sleep all day. And I think we're seeing some differences. When I see parents who buy their children $200 sneakers and $200 bags, but you don't have a college fund, something's wrong with this picture. So there definitely is a lowering of expectations. And I think it's time to get back to some of those old-school ways, some of the old-school things that kept families together, that allowed our daughters to, to achieve great things, that allowed our children to achieve great things, and that allowed our daughters to really live from a place of Mm self-respect. You know, do you believe uh, that men in particular are advocating enough to keep our girls safe? I'm going to say yes and no. I'm going to say <laughs> I'm going to say no in terms of there are there are many men who are not doing enough, but that I'm also going to say yes that there are men like yourself, Joe Olson, Sean uh, Sean Dove, and many other men who are on the front lines working with families. And what people forget is when you strengthen the family, you strengthen not only the father and the mother, but you strengthen the son and daughter as well. Yeah. Well, so I do believe that there are many men who are working on the front lines to advocate, but we need a stronger message, and we need to see much more of it. When there's a saying, <coughs> excuse me, um, I think, believe it was Frederick Douglass who said that it is easier to um, fix uh, to fix children. I think that's how it goes. It's easier to fix children than to repair a broken man. A broken man. Yeah, and... I often sometimes will flip that and say the same thing holds true for a woman, that it's very difficult to fix a broken woman. We oftentimes forget that boys become men and girls become women. And we think that 
no part of their life has been, the development of their life has been arrested. That We just believe that when women become women, they've gotten everything that they need to become a woman. And that's not always true, just like it's not true that every boy who turns into a man gets everything he needs to be a man. When you have conversations, and I'm sure that you talk about this in your Grab a Girlfriend, um, about sisterhood, because we don't talk a lot um, about sisterhood and about accountability, uh, particularly when it comes to issues of blended families uh, with children, with new relationships, um, with adultery and those kinds of things. And we oftentimes will blame men for those circumstances, and oftentimes women are involved in it. And so, you know, i tell you a, a quick story, you know, where I know a friend uh, who's nowhere near, you know, us, um, who is in a relationship with a married man. And she's in this relationship knowing that he has a wife and kids. And my question to her was, do you understand what you possibly could be doing to this other woman who doesn't know you exist, but you're on the backside destroying her life and not, not taking anything away from him. He's destroying it just as much, and he's just as much accountable as she is. But my question to her was, where is your sisterhood? And she didn't have an answer for that. And so I wonder whether or not sisterhood is as strong as it has been. You know, I think sisterhood has always been part of the black community because sisterhood is what allowed us to be there for one another when nobody else was there for us. Sisterhood was what allowed us to get through the tough times. Sisterhood was what was what allowed us to keep our families intact when we didn't know how to do it. But once again, I'm not going to blame everything on reality TV, but I do think that when you're constantly taking in messages that tell you the only way to get ahead is to backstab, to backbite, mm. and to cut one another's throat, over time you start to believe that a piece of a man is better than no man at all. Wow. And... When you really begin to find your resilience, to find your strength, and you really begin to find your self-worth, then you realize that it's not about her, but it's about you, that you deserve better than that. Because sometimes you can't really see the hurt that you're doing to somebody else, and it's not that you don't want to be a sister. It's that, how can I love you if I don't even love me? Mm. So you're really looking at the issue of, self-esteem and lack of self-love because if I don't love me, because if I'm settling, no matter what I say, there's a part of me that doesn't fully know my value. So if I don't value me, Kenny, how can I value that married sister I don't know? Hmm. That's a deep, deep thought. <laughs> I'm so much of my sister's keeper. Yeah. This is going to blow your mind. I'm so much of my sister's keeper that I can't keep my hands off of what's hers, because I don't even realize that by hurting her, I'm also hurting me, because it's a boomerang effect. I'm putting out an energy, and what goes around eventually comes around. And the same thing that I'm doing to her, at some point, I'm going to be that woman. But I can't see that if I don't value me. Talk about some of the things that you're learning from the women that you're dealing with in your grab-a-girlfriend. 
Oh, I'm learning so much. I'm learning that women, we have to be accountable, and, and you spoke to that also. And oftentimes, I'm going to share it from the relationship perspective. When relationships don't work out, we're quick to blame the man. He cheated. He did this. And that might be true, but we play a part in it also. And women don't realize that their words, in the eyes of a man, in the world of men, feels like the same pain as a fist does. Mm. It cuts him. So when he's coming home and constantly being cut down, at some point, he don't want to come home no more. Mm. See, we can't talk about what he did without also talking about what we did. We both play a part. So what I'm learning from Grab a Girlfriend and Go is that there are so many women who want to activate their best lives, who have these big ideas, big dreams, and they want to take their life to the next level. But it's all about accountability, and it's all about raising the bar for ourselves. Wow. Wow. Tell me about your new book. Oh, Grab a Girlfriend and Go. That's it. Well, there's two of them. <laughs> there's Grab a Girlfriend and Go, and there's uh, Say It, See It, Believe It. But I want to tell you about Say It, See It, Believe It, since we're talking about girls. Mm-hmm. And Say It, See It, Believe It is an affirmation activity journal for girls and their mothers. And I believe that every girl needs to have this book in her hands. And what this book is, it's an affirmation guide. So it actually has positive statements that girls can say out loud to themselves so that they can pump themselves up with so much confidence that they can take bold action on their dreams. And this book is written for the tween and the teen girl because I believe the younger that they get the message, the more tools that they have and the more empowered they are. So I'm real excited, and it's a book that mothers and daughters read together and that you read over and over and over again. And it talks about everything from how to like yourself to understanding that there's so much more to you than the way you look to talking about how to speak up for yourself and and how to be a positive thinker. So it really gives them tools to counteract a lot of that negative stuff that they're getting when they go out into the world. Mm, So you know i got to ask this question. Could a man, could a father read it with his daughter and have the same impact? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Now the section says uh, memos for moms, but you know the dads could just cross out the mom part and put memos for dads, and you and your daughter can read it together. And the beauty is, in the parent section, it gives you some tips to reinforce each particular affirmation. So it would be wonderful for a dad to read it because he's going to come from the male point of view as it relates to her building her confidence, speaking up for herself, and really learning to like herself, like herself just as she is. Right. Also, we uh, definitely got to add that to our campaign so that we can add that as a resource um, for fathers who are trying to engage with their daughters. Um, Time is up on us, but I do have one last question. It's a question that I've asked everyone that I've interviewed so far. Um, and I'm extremely interested in how you're going to answer this question. You ready? I'm ready. <laughs> if God gave you the power right now to eliminate one issue for our girls, what would it be and why? The one issue would be self-hate. Self-hate. The reason I would eliminate self-hate is that when you stop hating on you, you have no energy to hate on anybody else. 
when you stop hating on you, you're able to live from a place of love. And when you live from a place of love, you make choices that are rooted in self-love. Everything you do is rooted in self-love, and that covers everything from self-respect to peer pressure to values to reaching your goals. Good answer. Good answer. Tell people how they can get in touch with you. Strategies4EmpoweredLiving.com. You can also hit me up on Twitter at twitter.com backslash Cassandra Mack or on facebook.com backslash grab a girlfriend and go. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge. And as always, I say to you, it's never the last time um, you and I will be discussing topics that are relevant to our community and our families on the air. So um, know that we still have a lot of work to do. And I'm excited about the work that you're doing and always um, and proud of what you're doing um, in terms of touching women and really filling that lane and that space for not only doing the work with them, but being real with them because you don't see that often. Um, I watch your pieces. I read your pieces that you tag me on. Um, in the morning, and I just love the fact that your advice is straight, no chaser, Um, that it is what it is. Um, You may disagree and or agree with it, but at least you're talking about it, and that's the important piece. Thank you so much. Thank you, and and it was such a pleasure to be on your show. I really appreciate it. No problem. You're listening to The Black Bar. I'm your host, Kenny Braswell, and you are in the midst of uh, dialogue with our daughters, a dialogue about our daughters. It's part of our National Save Our Daughters Night campaign, which takes place on May 8th. Um, If you want information on the campaign, be sure to visit our website at www.saveourdaughtersnight.com. Be blessed. You've been listening to The Black Bar on Blog Talk Radio with your host, Kenneth Braswell. Thank you for joining us as we continue to bring you the best in provocative, stimulating, and empowering dialogue. If you would like to support or learn more information about Fathers Incorporated, visit us at www.fathersincorporated.com, on Twitter at F-A-T-H-E-R-S-I-N-C-O-R-P, and follow us on Facebook at Fathers Incorporated. Remember, your self-sacrificing devotion to your purpose in life and your unwavering faith will carry you through the times of difficulty. Dr. Rev. Martin Luther King, until next time, be wonderfully and abundantly blessed.